Welcome to Green Jobs 101, our special six-part boot camp designed to help you find and get a planet-saving job. Change is coming, oh yeah! Ain't no holding it back! Ain't no running! Change is coming, oh yeah! I'm Yash Pavlik-Slank, and this is Degrees, Real talk about planet-saving careers from Environmental Defense Fund. Today in our first episode, Trish Kenlin has coached hundreds of job hunters, but she has a specialty almost no one else has. Trish is one of the country's top experts in sustainability careers. And today, I get to take you behind the scenes while she coaches recent college grad Maya Johnson. Maya wants to find a job in climate change policy, but she needs help finding a clear path. So let's dive right in. Here's Trish. So let's start out by talking a little bit about what drew you to a career in climate change. Like what is leading you in this direction? If you would have asked me five years ago that I would be so passionate about climate change and trying to find a career in it, I would have said, no, (laughs) I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. But this college taught me I want to be passionate about the work that I'm doing. And I didn't feel that way as a pre-vet student. So when I switched over to environmental systems, it was like a light bulb switch just turned on. It was like everything clicked. I was happy with all my classes. I was happy with reading news articles about climate change events. I was calling my friends up saying, oh, do you know what Bloomberg reported on today? They said Uh (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. So just finding that passion I didn't know I had is something that still motivates me. Well, so climate change is kind of a broad category. Is there like a particular issue or area that you've been thinking about a lot or that you might want to investigate? My two top areas right now are air pollution and water pollution. I find them as most interesting places to be as far as the climate change topic is concerned. Maya, can you talk about a story that made you feel really passionate about air and water pollution? Yes, it was sophomore year of my undergraduate experience. I was taking waste management classes to get the waste management certificate, but this was my my first class. I wasn't sure. I wanted the certification. I just was like, I'll just get my degree. And we took a field trip to a landfill about two hours outside of Greensboro, North Carolina, where my school is located. I stepped, I couldn't even step out of the bus, honestly. The smell Just it felt like it it infiltrated your hair, your skin, your clothes, and just seeing what one small town, like as far as pollution, what they created and how it's being disposed of and how it affects groundwater and then talking to people that live in the community and how it's been affecting them. It was huge. I just remember getting on the bus and calling my mom on the way back to campus like, mom, this is insane. This is something that people need to know. It's like you put your water bottle in a recycling bin and that's it. But you don't really think about the aftermath and how it's going to take years, decades for all the trash that you use and probably an hour to not be a contaminated source to people who live 20 or 10 miles away. That was the most eye-opening experience that I had in my entire college career. That was the starting point of just saying, okay, I need to at least do something to help one part of this and tell people about it. And then 
in some of your responses and your assignment, it sounds like policy is kind of the way that you would like to see change brought about. Is that is that accurate? Yes. I would rather make a long journey for one solution that sticks around for a century or 50 years than a quick fix and an immediate just solution that only stays around for like a month until it falls off trend. Like I want something that's long lasting so I can be a part of that change. I feel like that makes the biggest difference. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so, so tell me a little bit about your work experience up to this point. Sure. My first internship experience was even before I started college. And that was my first experience being in a lab and doing paperwork. And I really liked the paperwork side of it. So that led me to be a summer series participant for the Congressional Hunger Seminar. And that was where the advocacy and the policies side really kicked in, spending over a month on the Hill. And it was easy because I lived in D.C. I felt like such an adult taking the train to and from the office (laughs) and meeting people in such a diverse environment that all cared about the same thing. So that was like my first experience, especially being in house offices and house buildings and being able to go like the underground offices. I was like, oh, wow, this is something that I could see myself doing. And then my second internship with the League of Conservation Voters, it was remote and it dealt with 100% policy work, working on the Biden campaign and making sure that constituents within the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina knew what they had a right to ask for in a presidential candidate as far as sustainability, clean energy, clean energy jobs, and all that good stuff. And so Maya, you just recently finished an internship over the summer. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like and what you learned? Yes, I was a communications intern for the political affairs division at EDF. So this was my first dive into political affairs and policy communications as far as connecting with senators and and House representatives and just trying to amplify messages so that constituents know what's going on in their state and what's going on as far as the White House. So it sounds like you know, you've you've had several different experiences confirming that, you know, policy really is the area that you want to try to focus on. I think before we move on, I just, I want to talk to you a little bit about just kind of the different areas of policy. Um, so kind of the side that you've been working on so far has been more kind of the research and, and advocacy side of things um, where, and you can do that at places like a nonprofit. You could do it working for a private company. Um, There's also, of course, think tanks like the Stockholm Environment Institute, uh, consultancies like ICF, um, or even one of the national labs like NREL. Um, And then on the other side of that, there's actually helping to write or develop those laws or regulations. So it could be something like working for a member of Congress or a local government official like the mayor's office, um, or even working for a government agency like the EPA. Um, is there like any of those areas of policy that you might want to take your next step? Um, don't get me wrong. I love reading policy and bills and sitting in on committee hearings <laughs> and seeing all the transcripts, but I don't I don't think I would enjoy writing all of them. <laughs> I really like the policy and advocacy side of it all. I feel like 
it's more interesting and attention grabbing. And I feel like it changes every day because it is heavily influenced by current events. I don't think I would want a job that's kind of like the same, just consistent. I do like that sort of change of like, oh, this happened on the news at six o'clock last night. This is what's going to be the the new ball that we're going to be rolling with for the next two weeks. I really enjoy that part of it. Nice. And so, but in terms of like, which one of those types of organizations, it sounds like nonprofit is feeling really good to you. Yes. I feel like that's kind of where I just really feel comfortable. I feel like coming into like this new corporate world that I haven't really been exposed to. I really like what nonprofits have to offer as far as the teaching environment that they give toward interns and entry-level positions and just the community asset of it all. Okay. So you're thinking you kind of want to focus on um, advocacy at the federal level? Yes. I could definitely see myself doing that. I feel like I'm now open to anything, but federal level and nonprofit is a very is a very attractive space for me right now. And if I get a full-time job offer in either one of them, I will be thrilled. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So it sounds like your first choice would be, you know, a nonprofit focusing on advocacy work um, at the federal level that is also focused on air and water pollution solutions. So have have we nailed it? Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, So let's talk a little bit about location. Um, So you're in DC now. Um, Where, where do you want to be? I grew up here. So I do feel like I have a biased opinion. It's a great city. And I feel like the work that I could do or that I want to do is based in here. But I would love to relocate to a place like New York City, just like a bigger city, a different state, different environment. I want to go somewhere new. I want to meet new people. But I do realize that D.C. just may be the best place to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to say so DC is definitely where most federal advocacy organizations are are based um and where you already have a really great network. You know, it doesn't mean you absolutely can't be in New York. Yeah. You know, there are many organizations right now that are allowing flex and remote work. I, I think we'll still see some of that going forward. Um, and also many of the large nonprofits, they have offices in New York. Um, and also you probably have to be really, really diligent about networking with people who are in those types of roles um, that are working in New York as well. Definitely. And I feel like that's the young person in me that just wants to travel and be in different places to get different vibes and see different communities and just that whole feel of being in a new place. If you haven't noticed, I really like change. I mean, one of the interesting things about policy, and of course, one of the interesting things about working in in climate as well, is that there's change is pretty much the only constant. So (laughs) definitely, (laughs) I I think this will work out for you very nicely. Maya, I feel like your tagline should be Maya Johnson in the room where it happened. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's awesome. (laughs) The big question now is what's next? Now that Maya knows she's targeting a career in advocacy and policy at the federal level, how can she get there? Yeah. Well, so so Maya, now that you've gotten a little bit more specific in terms of your goals, that now you can start focusing your research and kind of coming up with some specific lists of organizations to target so that you can kind of start networking and trying to meet people who work at those organizations uh, and, can po- and can possibly help you. Um, and usually the first place you start is with what you already know. So 
Maya, talk to me a little bit about, you know, kind of what advocacy groups or big nonprofits are you aware of? My two biggest advocacy groups, or they're basically nonprofits that I have the most connections in, are the League of Conservation Voters and EDF, meeting people that worked in those two nonprofits that are now Biden-Harris appointees or that now work for the NRDC or the EPA or even the DOEE, still keeping those connections is something that I didn't realize was so important in college. Now being in an area where people transfer in different organizations very frequently, and it's like everybody knows everyone, that whole climate policy community in DC is a lot smaller than I thought it was. So I've been able to develop connections with people, even though they may not work for the organization where I originally met them in. And that has in itself been an exposure to new like nonprofits and new agencies that I didn't know that much about, or that I only knew what I read on the internet or what they would say at job fairs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you struck on a really important point, um, which is that kind of the easiest way to learn about opportunities and organizations is also to just talk to your friends or your mutual connections that can kind of introduce you to the lay of the land and the opportunities and can also help you meet new people as well. LinkedIn is also a really great tool for finding those. So like, let's say you were trying to come up with a list of, okay, what, you know, climate focused advocacy organizations do I think um, I might want to consider working for? You could go to the U.S. Climate Action Network, um, their website. They have an awesome list of all their members and all the different uh, advocacy organizations that you might be interested in working for. And so if you find some that you like, you can reach out to the people who work there or ask your um, connections if they can connect you to somebody who works there. Um, Also, the nice thing about working in advocacy is that a lot of these organizations always have opportunities to either join their networks or get involved on a volunteer basis as well. So some of the organizations you might want to look into are things like the Citizens Climate Lobby, um, 350.org, Defend Our Future. And then another way to kind of help you grow your list of organizations that you could think about applying to is making sure that you're reading relevant news sources. Um, Are there any that are kind of related to climate or advocacy that you read that you feel like you're getting some good information from? Oh, my goodness. Of course. The Hill, Bloomberg, E&E, the list can go on, but those are like my top or even on Apple News. I I go through that every day, like an old person when they read the newspaper (laughs) every morning with their cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I go through Apple News with my iced matcha latte (laughs) (laughs) and also LinkedIn. Just because you brought it up, I just go on there. I feel like that's the career world's Twitter or like the career world's Instagram. And sometimes I feel like I'm liking articles and posts of people who I don't even know, who Mm -hmm. I just will connect with and follow. And then that's also how I stay up to date. (laughs) Well, that's great. Yeah, Ian is definitely a great one. And just try to remember as you're doing all that reading, when you start to hear about organizations that are doing work that gets you excited um, to make sure to add those to your list so that you uh, keep them in mind. And what about, have there been any like specific stumbling blocks that you faced um, in your job search so far that 
you might just have some questions about? Oh my goodness. Yes. The inexperience going into entry-level positions in a COVID climate, a lot of people similar to me who have just graduated were in a COVID year. We had experiences, internships, fellowships that were stripped away from us in 2020. I feel like I have the experience that makes me competitive, but I always want to do more, learn more, just be the most competitive person in their pile of resumes is something that I aspire to be every time I apply for a job. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're seeing a lot of entry-level jobs out there that are looking for you know, previous experience in something like advocacy or research or, or from a volunteer standpoint or projects at school um, or internships, those are going to be the ways in which you can apply to an entry-level job and still kind of have that experience. <laughs> you know, you also mentioned being in a pile of resumes and your goal is to actually not be a part of that resume pile. Your your goal is if there's a organization that you find out that you want to work for in your heart of hearts, um, your goal is to develop a relationship with one or more people at that organization um, who are going to say, you know, who would be great for this job? Maya would be great for this job. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Maya, thank you for being willing to be coached right on our podcast. And thank you, Trish, for bringing your expertise and guidance. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. And that's it for this first episode of Green Jobs 101. And now you can move towards a green job too. Narrow down your area of interest. Figure out what type of company or organization you want to work for. And then find connections to help you get your foot in the door. Your journey will be unique, but I promise worth the effort. Subscribe to Degrees Now so you don't miss any of our next five Green Jobs 101 episodes. We are releasing them every day this week. Next time, I'll be talking with one of the leading researchers of corporate sustainability jobs, which, spoiler alert, are growing very, very fast. Also, check your listening app for links to Green Jobs 101 job hunting resources, including Trisha's website, Sustainable Career Pathways. It is a treasure trove of job-seeking knowledge. Degrees is presented by Environmental Defense Fund. Amy Morse is our producer. Our executive producers are Rick Fallou and Christina Mestre. Podcast Allies is our production company, and I am your host, Yesh Pavlik-Slink. The foundation of our show, though, folks, is you. Share this episode with a friend and find your planet-saving career together. Thanks for listening. Change is coming, oh yeah!